Our scripture lesson this morning, friends, comes from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. This morning, we will resume normal preaching. Um, I'm sorry to those of you who were watching online last week. I heard that it was a little difficult to hear everything that was going on, but we'll just have to have Steve back and do it again. (laughs) Hear now this word from God. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down upon everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went out to the tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. I'm sorry, I just skipped a line. I'm going to start over. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like those others. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, this tax collector, rather than the other man, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. I heard what I think is probably the best sermon I've heard on this passage a couple years ago when I had just started doing ministry full time. I was fresh out of divinity school by a couple months and this was pre-COVID and so we got to just do things without concern. It was now looking back of it, it's such a strange time that we gathered like a hundred pastors together in a small room and ate food and didn't think about it. But we had one of these gatherings with other pastors and the bishop at the time, Hope Morgan Ward, came and she preached at this clergy gathering that we had. I was new to a church community, I was new to ministry, I was new to the area of North Carolina that I was living in, an area which is more conservative and has many less female pastors and young pastors than this area does. And so I was sitting in a room feeling very alone Like I was the only one, I was the only one, young and female and new to ministry and about half of them didn't talk to me and it was just very awkward and isolating. But Bishop Hope preached this passage. And so this week as I read this passage, I decided to dig into my memory and my notes from that day when we gathered, when Bishop Ward preached this text and I was reminded of how good this text actually is, how wonderful this parable is. The first thing we see in this passage is that it has two characters who we pay a lot of attention to when we read it, right? We put them on a spectrum. There's a tax collector and a Pharisee. And the tax collector is, for all intensive purposes, the good guy in this story. He's the one who gets it really, really right. 
He is a sinner, but he's humbly approached God to repent in the temple. He's unrighteous, but he lays himself at God's feet in like the back of the church where no one can see him. He's the one who Jesus shows mercy towards, and he's the one who we interpret as being Jesus's favorite. And then there's the Pharisee. And he's the one who, for whatever reason, becomes the bad guy in this story. And in fact, he's the bad guy in a lot of scripture. <laughs> Jesus does a lot of criticizing Pharisees in the Bible. And this particular one, according to scripture, is really self-righteous. He assumes he's the most worthy of being in the temple. He praises God for the fact that he's so good. Thank you, God, for making me one of your most beloved. He praises God that he's not like the tax collector. And when we read it, there's this temptation to interpret this as him being the one who gets it really wrong. He's definitely not Jesus's favorite. And we put them against each other, right? Tax collector, good, Pharisee, bad. And that's almost the exact opposite of how the world actually sees them. Outside of the temple, it's Pharisee good, tax collector really bad, right? No one wants the IRS knocking on your door. Often we read this story and just put them in these two categories and think, be like that one, don't be like that one, be humble, don't think you're better than anyone else, and that's it. Sermon done, right? I think those are really good lessons to take away from this story. And the problem with this, the problem that Bishop Ward pointed out several years ago that has stuck with me, is that we get into a dangerous place when we boil these characters down to good and bad. When we put one completely in one category and one completely in the other category, when we demonize one and idolize the other. We make the same mistake that the Pharisee makes in the first place when we say, thank God I'm not like that one. When we read this passage like this, we decide that some people are more lovable than others, that Jesus has favorites, and that the people of the church, the good, righteous people to the world are not one of Jesus's favorites. That we as readers can rightfully judge the characters in this story that we can decide who's worthy and who we should shake our heads at. We make a lot of mistakes sometimes when we read this passage, when we preach this passage. In fact, we make the same mistakes that this story literally warns about. And I think that's a great irony. <laughs> Bishop Hope, when she preached this several years ago, preached that first and foremost, this story is about space. Luke's gospel as a whole is one that talks a lot about healing and righteousness and Pharisees. It's full of lessons and parables. This is one parable in a whole like list of them. Luke's gospel focuses a lot on space. Who takes up space and who doesn't? who's allowed to have space and who isn't. When the Gospel of Luke tells us a story, it always tells us where people are. Not just where they are physically, but it also tells us about their surroundings. The region of the world they're in, their social status, 
and where they are in proximity to others around them. Luke pays a lot of attention to space. So perhaps then the main story, the main point of this story isn't just these characters and who they are, but the space they take up. It's about God and the temple, about how these two people from who, two very different walks of life are able to walk into the temple and take up space. If we shift from judging these men for their thoughts and their prayers to focusing on space, the story looks very different. And truthfully, I think it's good news when we do that because we get, as I said, into a really dangerous place when we look at the Pharisee and go, well, thank God I'm not like him because that's what he's doing. We fall into the same traps. And truthfully, as I read the scripture this week, the first thought I had was, oh, I do that a lot. (laughs) How many of us do that on a day-to-day basis? Thank God I'm not like them. Thank God I am who I am. Thank God I have the right political beliefs. Thank God I dress better. Thank God I'm more attractive. Thank God I don't do that weird thing that they do. Thank God I'm not a nail biter. I don't know. Thank God I don't chew that loud. Whatever thing. We do this all the time. I do this all the time. And I have to catch myself. Because whatever thing we're thinking God we're not like is also a reflection of what God is like. The story is the story of a man who is a religious leader, who's comfortable in the temple because he belongs there and he knows it. He is loved in this community. He's admired. He is respected. He's the pastor or the deacon or the elder. The space is his. He feels at home in it. He's comfortable in it. This man goes in the temple to pray knowing that. And being the man that he is, he easily walks in. The most well-respected, everyone greets him. Everyone like shifts to let him through. He gets to make his way to the front and pray to God. Thanking God that he's good and righteous because this is his space. He gets to be as honest as he wants to with God, even if his prayer is a little cringy, because he feels comfortable doing so. It's a space he can walk in and comfortably be cringy and probably not be challenged. And then there's this tax collector, a man who is largely hated by his community. He's an outsider. He's viewed as despicable and unrighteous. He goes around knocking on people's doors. Often tax collectors are corrupt and taking more from people than they should and benefiting from it. He's no doubt seen as unworthy of entering the temple. When he comes in, people don't greet him. They probably scowl at him. They don't make space for him. They don't invite him to come sit in the pew next to them. They don't admire him in any way. This man walks in and he's immediately not at home. This space is not for him. And I can imagine he doesn't easily walk into it. 
So he comes in, and I'm sure there's people noticing him who think he doesn't need to be there. That's what this Pharisee is thinking. All eyes are on him, and all eyes are annoyed that he exists. This man who's dared to enter this holy space as unholy as he is. He's unwelcome, and he's unworthy, and he stays in the back hoping to not take up too much space, hoping to just be as ignored as possible. How many of you have done this yourself? Where you just wanna be small and unnoticed? Where you just wanna be as inconvenient as possible to the world around you? That is what this man is doing. He wants to meet God. He wants to dwell of the house of the Lord just like anyone else possibly can. Just like this Pharisee who owns this space, this man wants in on that too. And so he comes in, but he doesn't dare come up to the front. He doesn't dare draw attention to himself. He stands far off, so afraid of taking up space that he doesn't even look up keeping his head down and making himself as small as possible. He beats his own breast and he prays to God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. I don't belong here. I'm not taking up very much space. I don't want to be seen by anybody else, but I wouldn't mind if you would see me, God. He knows he's unworthy. He knows that this space is not for him, and he prays for mercy. Prays to be allowed to just sit in the presence of God for a little while. What he doesn't realize is that his status as a tax collector, his being an outsider, his being deemed unlovable by his community has nothing to do with him being unworthy. And what the Pharisee doesn't realize is that his status as an important man of God, his holiness, his righteousness, his key to the temple, it doesn't make him worthy. The Pharisee, the tax collector, any other person, wherever they're sitting in this room, or whether they're outside in the outskirts of the city, deemed a leper, they're all equally unworthy and equally worthy. This story is about space, friends. It tells us that this Pharisee, this religious community, they believe that worthiness is a hierarchy. That you can be on top and you can be in the middle somewhere and you can be on the bottom and then you can be like below, below the bottom. This community believes there are people who are more worthy and less worthy of entering into the kingdom of God, of being loved by God, that there's people who have an in and a claim and people who don't, people who have more right to take up space than others. And that's just not true. This story tells us that this kind of thinking, this belief that some people should take up space and some people shouldn't is wrong. 
It's wrong anywhere. It happens every day in our society. But it's the most wrong when it's God's house. It's the most wrong when it happens in the temple itself. It's the most wrong when it's perpetuated by pastors and people of the church. This tax collector, all of these people, they are worthy. Their prayers are heard by God. This tax collector, his prayer is heard. He is loved by God and he's exalted by Jesus himself for his humility and for his bravery and daring to take up space in a place where he's not wanted. So what do we do with that? I think this story, friends, invites us into the difficulty of reflecting on our own space. To think about this building, about our church community, about the lives that we live and the world that we live in, to think about every institution we enter and wonder who's here and who isn't, who's allowed to take up space and who isn't. And if you're one of the people who walks into a space and thinks, I'm not allowed to take up very much space here, realize that you are brave that you are like the tax collector in this story. And to realize that as a church community, if Open Table isn't doing the work of letting people take up more space, we're not doing God's work. To not just assume that people are less because they aren't here, and that we maybe just aren't doing the work if they aren't here. To not assume that people are lazy or they're not in the temple because they don't want to be or they're not in the temple because the church has just gone to hell. Sorry, I saw like a really weird ad for somebody running for Congress yesterday. (laughs) That was very strange and it was this man in a cowboy hat and it was like made on like a 1999 iMac. (laughs) It was a very strange ad, but one of the things he talked about was how the church is going to hell and people aren't in Sunday school like they should be and everything's falling apart. And as I watched it, he was like 65 and a white man. And I was like, this is literally why people don't go to church. (laughs) You are why. (laughs) Also vote, please vote and not for him. The truth is, people aren't in church because church isn't a space for them. To consider that those who are like the tax collector in this story, those who aren't here, those who've been told they aren't worthy of stepping through the doors, of coming to the front, of taking up precious religious real estate, they're not here for a reason. To consider that if our faithful attendance and pursuit of God, we haven't become a little bit like this Pharisee. This is a really good question. It's a good, good thing to think. It's something that I needed reminded of this week. Because I walk into this building and I feel super comfortable here. 
I spend more hours during the week than I would like to admit. I nap here sometimes when nobody knows. I eat here. I make messes here. This past week, I accidentally threw a salad completely all over the parlor. So if you find salad bits, that's my bad. This is my space. You literally pay me to be here and maintain it. I feel so at home here. And there are people who don't. And I find myself often thinking, wow, I'm so glad I'm not like that person. And then I realize I am the keeper of this place. I literally have the key. I opened the doors so you could come in this morning. And I'm not doing the work well. If I'm thinking, I'm really glad I'm not like that person and I'm pastoring a community that's supposed to be for all people. These are evaluations that we have to have, friends. This story invites us to reflect on our own hearts, to decide if we ourselves think we're more worthy of being in this place, if we've fallen in the trap of thinking we deserve to be in certain communities, we deserve more space, we deserve leadership, that we deserve to be gatekeepers of Christ's home. We live in a world that loves, loves to create hierarchy, that's obsessed with it, that loves to pit people against each other, that's divisive and tells us there's have and have nots, that space is sacred and scarce. And so grab all you can that we should be careful how we allow people into space, we should be careful how we control it. And that's just not the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is a place of abundance where there's always enough, where it doesn't matter if you're in the front or you're in the back because God is like supposedly above. And so you're not gonna get closer going this way or this way. This scripture is difficult because it invites us to examine our hearts, to resist the temptation of controlling God's space, space we don't own, space that maybe shouldn't be so comfortable for us. Because while it's space that we're all completely worthy of, it's space we're all also completely unworthy of. And so we enter it, we have to live in this strange, strange place of being awed by how welcome we are here and awed by the fact that we solely don't deserve it. All of us live in that very, very strange parallel. The gift of God and the gift of the gospel is that space is abundant that there's no have or have not, that we're all wholly unworthy of taking up any amount of space in God's kingdom and of being in this place, that it's through Christ we're invited to dwell in the house of the Lord, that it's through Christ we're invited to dwell alongside those who the world tells us we should be thankful we're not like that it's through Christ we're able to be transformed and instead be thankful that they're not like us, that there is such a gift of diversity, 
that there's the gift of unlikeness, that there's gifts others have that we do not. We get to be thankful that we get to invite others into this space. This is the good and difficult news of the gospel, friends. That this space is not ours and it is ours. And we get to choose how to be good stewards of it. And my hope is, as good as Open Table is, it can always be better. That we, as good as we might be, or as bad as we might be, can always be better. And at minimum, we can honestly say, I prayed this prayer this week. And I'd like to pray that other prayer. And how can we do that together? Thanks be to God.